for those of you who have been here, you know that we have, for this entire month, been talking about, this entire month, it's been two weeks, <clears throat> we've been talking about love, and the reason for that is our mission here at One Love Church is to help people find and live out the true love of Jesus Christ. The vision uh, that that carries out is that we will love God and love people. And so what we did is, beginning in the first week in this series, we talked about what is love and defining love. Last week, we talked about falling in love and what it really meant to fall in love with God and what it really meant to fall in love with others. What I want to talk to you about this week is staying in love. You know, one of the coolest parts of what you just saw right there is that was the beginning of their journey. And he said, you know, he wrote that little note, and now it's been 12 years. Most of you were here last week when we showed that little clip of that little couple playing the piano. That little couple, both of them are over the age of 90. They've been married for over 60 years. And we talked about that little fuzzy feeling that you got when you watched that video. What I want to talk to you about today is the importance of staying in love and what we have to do in order to stay in love. And we're going to be in the first chapter of Psalm. The first chapter of Psalm. If you have your Bibles, you're more than welcome, or phones, iPads, whatever you use. You're more than welcome to turn there with me. Psalm chapter 1. Verses 1 through 6 say this. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And then whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of righteousness. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. What does it mean to stay in love? How do we stay in love? You know, a lot of us, when we talk about a relationship with God, we talk about how much we are in love with God. It comes back into really our personal relationships, and that's how we measure that, that, you know, how much we love God. Your personal relationships and, and what relationships have done to you and what relationships have cost you, you will compare and contrast your relationship with God with the relationships that you've been through in life so often. My relationship with my wife, we're going on 13 years. Yeah, I had to make sure I was right on that. But we're going on 13 years. We had an anniversary just this week in the church. Zach and Janelle celebrated an anniversary this week. We had three birthdays. We have David Hall, whose birthday is tomorrow. (laughs) Emily's birthday is today. And Martina is celebrating a big birthday today. 
I bring that up because I know that, you know, in this relationship, I haven't talked to Dave or Martina, but I know that Sam got Emily a really nice, really nice birthday gift. (laughs) And that helped Emily stay in love with Sam. (laughs) The first two verses of the book of Psalms. Say this, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. In order for us to stay in love, in order for us to really grow our love commitment with God, there are three things right there at the beginning of the scripture that are really shouted out to us. And they're actually pretty simple if we really sit back and look at it. The first thing that the author is saying is, what you need to recognize is there are three ways that we get ourselves in trouble spiritually. There are three ways, and they always start with the first one, which is walking in the counsel of the wicked. They go to the second one, which is standing in the path with sinners, and they end with the third one, which is sitting in the the seat of scoffers. What does it mean to walk in the counsel of the wicked? It's very, it's very simple. What it means is this. When something is going on in your life, and let's be honest, our relationship with God kind of uh, has pros and cons, and most of those pros are when good things are happening in my life, and most of those cons come when bad things are happening in my life. God loves me a lot because I'm getting a lot of blessings, and God loves me or is really ticked off at me because all these bad things are happening to me in my life. And so we... we, we you know, go back and forth in this big relationship with God. And so the first thing that we do when we, when we encounter some of those tough times, the first thing that, that we can do is begin to get counsel from the wicked, begin to get counsel from the ungodly. And what Scripture means by that is you begin to listen to people outside of your Christian community. You begin to listen to people who don't have any spiritual basis for the information that they're saying to you or for what they're asking you to do or telling you that you should do. Right? One of the first things that always happens, whenever you say somebody hurt you, you talk about somebody hurt you. If you get counsel outside of the church, and a lot of times you're counsel inside the church, people are going to tell you, well, get back at them. Right? Do something back. You can get them. But what happens is when we hear that spiritual counsel, there's a couple ways that you can go. You can either listen to that counsel or you can ignore that counsel. When you listen to that counsel, you're beginning to stand in the way of sinners. So that counsel is beginning to identify with you. And so those things that you start to hear, once you hear them more and more, all of a sudden they don't sound that bad. And all of a sudden you start to say to yourself, well, I mean, I could do that. Or, or I could see that happening. Or I could close down that wall. Or I could forget asking for forgiveness. Or I could hurt somebody and walk away. It's no big deal. It's easier that way. And so you begin to identify. The third thing that the scripture talks about is sitting in the seat of scoffers. What does that mean? I don't only identify with that, but now it's comfortable to me. And I sit in that. It becomes who I am. So not only have I listened to what you had to say, but then I began to identify with what you had to say. And finally, I chose to do what you had to say. And so what this path does is it takes you from 
the very beginning of the process of listening to ungodly advice all the way to where you're acting on ungodly advice. And this process happened in the blink of an eye and you sit back and you say to yourself, why God are you doing this to me? You obviously don't love me very much. When the truth of the matter is you've done exactly what our author here in Psalm chapter one is telling us that you did, which is why he says, blessed are those who don't do this. Blessed are those who, one, understand from the very beginning, don't listen to ungodly people. When they're trying to tell you different things to do with your life, just don't listen to them. Because if you listen to them, if you step over that boundary, you will begin to identify. And you will begin to do those things. But, verse 2 And his delight is the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 says, Therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. If you look at these things, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander, these are the things that we people tell people to do. Let's just be honest. We, we, we can slander somebody in a second. We can slander somebody quickly. The envy comes on and we, you know, we just talked about it Wednesday night. We can fall envious into something and, you know, our spirit just makes us want to go that way. It pushes us and it drives us that way. And all of these things come from that first verse. All of these things come from when you open that door to the ungodly, from when you open that door and start listening to people who have no value whatsoever in the advice that they give you. These are the things that come from that. So rid yourselves of all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Delight in the word of God. You know, part of that video, there at the end he holds up that big old fat Bible and he points it at you, right? He says, here's my love letter. Here's my love letter. There's so many times that we've seen that and heard that, that truthfully when somebody says that to us, here is the love letter. Truthfully, we don't ever read this. It doesn't hold that much value to us. And so we ignore lines like that pretty easily. Do I know this is the word of God? Absolutely. Do I delight in it? Of course I don't. I don't. Truthfully, reading this is a job to me. There's a reason why mine sits at home and never gets opened unless the pastor comes over. Even when I come over, y'all ain't open it, let's be honest. Yeah, for Brett. When Brett comes, you open it. But a blessed man not only ignores the counsel of the ungodly, but delights in diving into the word. You know, like a baby screaming for that milk. We are like a child at heart when it comes to the word. That we are so passionate that without it we become cranky. 
Without it, we start screaming and kicking because our world revolves around that word. In his law, the end of verse 2, he meditates day and night. How many of us can say right now that we meditate on the word day and night? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. The one person who was going to. Dave. I knew it, Dave. <laughs> Romans chapter 12, verses one, two, two, 1 and 2 say this. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. How many of you could do that today? Your everyday ordinary life, not the hour that you spend in church, but your everyday ordinary life. How many of you could wrap that up in a bow and present that to God as an offering, if we're honest with each other? Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well formed maturity in you. So, so many of us often say, I just can't get out of this rut that I'm in. <laughs> and for a lot of us, it's because we practice, you know, that pure definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and thinking at some point we're going to get a different result, but the different result never comes because we do life the exact same way. We make the exact same mistakes. We stumble in the exact same places in our life. And instead of growing up and understanding and reading this word and meditating on it daily and nightly and understanding what it is that God wants to do with you, and instead of reading those things that God is asking you to do and making positive changes in your life, what you do is you read those things and then you live life in the exact same way you did before you ever read those things. And you stumble in the exact same spots. You make no changes whatsoever. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, you go, yes, I hear you. Please leave. <laughs> Those conversations make me feel weird. I don't want to change those things in my life. And so what happens is we fall. We plummet out of love with God. Because there are people around us pulling us down to their level of immaturity. Pulling us down to their level of immaturity. And, and, and to live in love with God means that you are going to have to grow. Because God expects mature love from you. God expects you to mature. Verse 3, what happens when we delight into the law of God and meditate on it day and night? It says this, that he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither and in rain whatever he does prospers. The first thing that the scripture says is we will be fruitful. 
The second thing says we'll be durable. And the third thing says we will be prosperous. What's it mean to be fruitful? What's it mean to be fruitful? What's it mean to be durable? And finally, what's it mean to be prosperous? John Piper writes, to be fruitful means you are refreshing and nourishing to be around. You go away from people who are fruitful and you feel fed. You go away strengthened. You go away with a taste for spiritual awakening. Their words are healing and convicting and encouraging and deepening and enlightening. And being around them is like being at a four-course meal. You have relationships that are very, very shallow. There are people that don't input anything into your life. But I guarantee you, you also have relationships, or I hope that you have relationships that are like meat to you. And when you are around those people, you just get fed. Even if you don't intend for the conversation to go that way, somehow it always does. My sister is this way. When you talk to my sister, there are times where you just go, I'm calling my sister, I'm just calling to say, hey. But I hang up the phone an hour and a half later. <laughs> right? Yeah, you know? Yeah, <laughs> but let me tell you something. But let me tell you something. On the other end of that conversation, I feel spiritually fed. I get off the phone and my heart feels different than it did when I went into that conversation. There are times now that I'm older that I will call my sister just to have those moments. I called my sister, let me tell you something, my mom and dad made a choice this week that really, really pissed me off. I'm sorry piss is a bad word. <laughs> Kids, don't say, pastor didn't say that. But my wife, let me tell you something. My wife, my dad, sorry, honey. <laughs> my dad, was that one of them slips? Was that one of them, what, what had happened was, my, my, I almost did it again. My dad made a decision that really upset me. So my wife gets, this is what I was trying to say. My wife gets sick, sick and tired of me always, you know, dumping my emotional baggage onto her. And so I called my sister. <laughs> And I said, Holly, I don't need you to say anything. Right now, I just need to dump on you. She goes, okay, go ahead. <laughs> and so for about 20 minutes, I just went, stupid, 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 stupid. Ah! And then my sister, in only the way that she does, went, okay, Brad. Now, listen. And went on for just a couple minutes. And I got off the phone and I felt so much better. Right? That's what having a deep relationship with somebody really means. That's what having a deep relationship with God really means. 
And so when we go to those people who hold no spiritual value whatsoever and we dump on them and we ask them to pour back into us, it's like walking away and we're still hungry. They didn't help us at all. So we take these little tidbits that they tell us and we go, well, you know, they might work. And so we apply those things to our lives and we stumble and we fall down and we get scarred and we get bruised and we wonder why those things happen. But there are moments in our lives where we approach those godly people, those people that we know are in the word and are praying and when we go to them and we seek them for advice they're going to give us spiritual advice it's in those moments that we can have simple meaningless conversations and walk away from those moments feeling completely blessed and completely fed and you ask yourself what is it about those people I'm going to tell you those people love the word of God They meditate on it day and night. Does that mean that you always have your Bible in front of you, it's always open, and you're just reading it? No, what that means is you know scripture, and there is scripture that is constantly flowing in your heart. And when those people make individual decisions about their life, you know they make those decisions based upon the scripture that is in their heart and what the spirit is telling them to do. And so when they advise you or they tell you something, it's the same interaction. They are sharing with you from what the scripture is that the Lord is laying on their heart. And they're telling you these are the decisions that God would have you to do versus these are the decisions that you should do because you should be ticked off. almost said it again. You should be ticked off. You should have anger. You should have malice. You should want to get back. You should want to hurt people. But what they forget is that you serve a Savior who went through more pain in a few hours than we will ever experience. And he took it. And he sat on that cross And he said something that should make you astounded. He said, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. That's that's difficult to understand because the world pulls us down in an immaturity that tells us, Father, let me flip them off. Or Father, yeah, Dave. Dave flipped me off this week. Oh, number one. You're number one. The wicked, verse four. The wicked are not so, but so. But they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of righteousness. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. If you follow, if you listen to, the ungodly, if you listen to those who aren't spiritually secure, if you listen to those who really don't have your best intentions in mind, they just want to spew you some advice because they think they're smart. If you listen to those type of people, instead of listening to those spiritual elders that maybe you're intimidated to even talk to, one of the major problems with our churches is that our community is a failure. It's one of the reasons why we started One Love, is because we are determined to make our community an actual community. It's what we talk about when we say loving God and loving people. 
that it's not enough that I'm just here if you ever need me. But I want to be invested in you. I want to know you. I want to know your family. I want to eat with you. I want to speak to you, and I want you to speak into my life because you're important to me. When I come here on a Saturday night, I don't want to just come here because I feel like I'm supposed to. But I want to come here because I want to be a part of your life, and I want you to be a part of mine. And it is that community that develops a spiritual maturity. Because like scripture says, when he says iron sharpens iron, when you're a part of a holy community, you almost do it by accident. You almost do it by accident. Our Wednesday night Bible studies, my favorite part about our Wednesday night Bible studies is when I shut up, and that rarely happens, but when I shut up and other people are talking back and forth, and they're saying, you know, I think this, and I think this, and I think the scripture says this, and I think it means this. And you hear those conversations going back and forth, and what you realize is this. You're a part of a community of believers that truthfully want you to stay in love with God and to stay in love with people versus being a part of a world that tells you Stay in love with yourself. It's a completely separate philosophy. It's spiritual maturity and worldly immaturity. It's getting off of the milk and heading toward the meat and people who just don't care enough to move. One of the difficult parts in Psalm is to be able to place sometimes who wrote the different portions of Psalms and sometimes where they are chronologically. And so you can read commentaries about certain scriptures and they'll tell you that, you know, this happened at a certain portion of David's life and we think maybe he wrote this. But I got to be honest with you, when I read this part of Psalm, And it is Psalm 1, verses 1 through 6. And then I read all of these beautiful pieces of literature that a lot of them came from David in in particular moments in his life which were down and which were up. But from that scripture and all of the rest, you'll read things like, I think I'm going to die. Death is chasing me. Or I'm heading into a world of darkness. And every moment, in every portion of Scripture, in psalm after psalm after psalm, the writer will write things like, but my God is there for me. I lean on the Lord. He guides me. He directs me. He leads me on a path of, Yeah. There is a dependence from this author. There is a love of God from this author. And he understands better than I think we do in some periods of our life that no matter what we go through, if we stay in love with God, 
if we absorb his word, if we meditate on it daily and nightly, if we become a true community of believers who love God and love people, then we will be durable. We will be prosperous. And we will be fruitful. And that is everything that God wants for you. He doesn't want us to be like that weed that when the wind blows, we fall over. He wants us to be like that strong tree by the river, rooted in water, understanding that we are constantly fed by a God who loves us. Will you stand with me? I want to challenge you this week to do something. If you are not or haven't been in a while in your word, if you haven't read the Bible in a long time, there is access to the word like never before. Most of us have it on our phones, whether or not we choose to open that little app or not. I have mine set to actually alarm me to read it every day. And I'm going to be honest with you, there are so many days where I'm just like, shut up, shut up. But truthfully, I want to challenge you to be in the Word this week. I want to challenge you to pick a portion of Scripture. If you want to come on Wednesday night and study with those of us who are here on Wednesday night going through Romans, I challenge you to come and be a part of that. Absorb some of the Word this week. And I promise you, you will look at life in a different way if you haven't been in it. You will be encouraged in a way that is great. It may mean that you have to look for a version of the scripture that you can read and understand. For some of us, it's the message. That's what I personally read. For some of us, it's the NIV or New American Standard. For very few of us, it's the King James. (laughs) But find a portion of scripture that speaks to you and allow God to move in a mighty way. Will you do that this week? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for your love letter to us. And we pray, Father, that we seek spiritually mature relationships in our life. Father, relationships that will continue to point us to you Relationships that will always steer us in your direction. Father, we pray that, Lord, everything we do in our lives blesses you. Father, the ministry that you pour into our heart delights you. And God, may we as a church continue to grow as a community. We love you, Father. We thank you, God. May all that we do glorify you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.